Amen, amen. Good morning, family. We are going to be continuing in our series, our series in the book of Philippians. So, would you turn to chapter 3 as I read God's word this morning? We're looking at verses 12 through chapter 4, verse 1. Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal it. God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to even him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for my joy and my and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful that we get a chance to dive into your word today, for your word speaks to us. Allow your word to help us see you a bit clearer, that we might love you better, be able to receive your love, and be able to live life as a result of your beloved, of being your beloved. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you are able to we ask you to uh, use the chat that we have. We like to engage a little bit and, and connect a little bit and, and stay uh, a little bit uh, uh, talking as best we can. We wish we were together, uh, but until then, we want to connect a little bit. If you can use the chat, I would love for you to just throw in the chat if you ever played a sport. If you ever played a sport, put that sport in the chat. Uh, I'm in the season right now of soccer. Our family has soccer going on and we have volleyball going on. But specifically right now, I'm helping coach with Max Sports. And it's been pretty, pretty awesome. I mean, every year uh, we, we come to this time. The kids are excited. The kids are flowing. And my mom and I was reflecting a little bit about sports. And uh, uh, one of the things I was reflecting on was with my little ones, I got the youngest kids that's on the field. I've got the four and five-year-olds. You know, the ones when you tell them to run this way, 
They go, they do like this and run the other way. You know what I'm saying? Like I got, I got the kids that that if their shoes are tied and nobody's hands get stepped on with cleats, it's been a good day. I got, I got the little babies, and so with the little ones, you 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 only have kind of like three ways in which the kids operate. You have a kid that listens to you and does what you ask. You have a kid that will not do anything you say, <laughs> the total opposite. And then you have a child that will just stand there, not respond at all. And so the game really is not about them executing all that I want, four and five-year-olds. I'm not trying to get them to be the next college or professional soccer player. I'm just trying to get them to the point where they trust me as a coach. But even if they mess up, even if they score goals in the wrong goal, and they do, it's cool. Even if they, they make a mistake, it's fine. What isn't fine, though, is if they are not active, just on the field, not moving. Or when they choose the other role, which is being rebellious and wanting to do their own thing. See, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you try. Family, this trying concept, this putting some effort forth is a biblical concept. In this chapter three of Philippians, it's, it's called straining forward. It's called pressing forward. It's called pushing towards the mark. You look at different scripture, different Bible interpretations, and they're all trying to say the same thing. What does it look like to press on? What does it look like to try? What does it look like for you to have effort that keeps moving forward even when you're messing up, even if you're not getting it right, even if it seems like you're scoring for the other team? What does it look like to still be engaged and press on? Family, today we're looking in some words from Paul. He has some words for us as adults because we're in this game of life and this game is serious. But some of us, unfortunately, are just kind of doing nothing. Or some of us are rebelling against the coach, which is God. Some of us are not hearing him at all, but some of us are pressing on. And I believe this word, this scripture verse has something for all of us. Starting at verse 12. Not that I have attained it already. This not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. This, this, this Paul who previously before said, look, I'm, I have so many accolades. I have so many achievements. I have so many awards that I could sit here and stand and boast in everything, but I consider it rubbish. For the sake of Jesus. And so he's saying, even though if you were to put up a mantle of who's the best Christian you might be able to imagine, it might be my picture. But he said, hold up. Not that I've already obtained perfection. You see, there's only one that is perfect. 
and that's Jesus. There is only one that has arrived there, and I'm not him. I am not one who has arrived. But let me tell you that even in spite of me not being one that has arrived, let me tell you what Jesus did anyway. He made me his own. He grabbed me in his sovereign love that extends beyond any circumstance. This God takes us and says, come. Be mine. Allow me to love you in the way that you were created to experience love. Allow me to shower you with grace. Allow me to allow mercy to be something that you wake up with every day. Allow me to show you you are valued. You are loved. That was not of our own. That was not of Paul's will. That was not because of his heritage. That was not because of his lineage. That was because of a sovereign choice that God made and God grabbed him and made him his own. And so because he's been grabbed, because he realizes that it's bigger than his world, that God has a world that is so much greater, so much grander. And God brought Paul into this reality and God has a purpose for Paul. And Paul has yet to obtain the full purpose that God has for him. He says, I'm going to press on. I'm going to make it my own. I'm going to strain, press. This not perfect man realizes the the importance, the reason why his his everything must flow into this. It's it's, it's funny. I think of the concept of Jesus making us his own. And I think of back when I was a kid and we would play, play tag. And I like tag because sometimes when y'all wasn't looking and uh, there wasn't nobody looking, I'd be like, oh, somebody unfroze me. You know what I'm saying? I'll just go take off. But, but in tag, once you get tagged, you don't just like freeze your foot. You freeze your whole body. Your whole body pauses and you have to wait for someone else to come and unfreeze you. You see, this God that loves us so much saw us frozen in sin. Not just your foot, not just your ear, not just my mind, all of who I was, even in my good stuff, I still was trying to get over. Even when I said I was doing it to try to help others, I was hoping to get a picture where you would say, look at how good Leon is. You, do you, you, you see that, that, but he says, I'm going to touch you. And with his touch, he freed us up from being committed to sin and now allows us to walk in freedom. But that freedom isn't just so we can do what we want to do. It's to acknowledge that he's made us his own. And so we press towards that mark because we realize, hold up, God has done something. He's done something in us, in an imperfect people. He has done something. And so then in the rest of the verses, he goes on to give us some understanding. Then he gives us some do's and some don'ts. I want you to get this concept in your mind. And then I got some stuff for you to do. And I got some stuff for you not to do. Continue with me. Verse 13. It says, 
Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Get, let's, get, let's get that mental concept, forgetting, not, not to harp on it, forgetting. Let it go. Forgetting. Move on, Leon. Forgetting. Not let it hold you back. Forgetting. Don't let it affect where I'm headed. Not where I've been won't shackle me. I'm headed towards something greater that God has. Forgetting. The world gets this concept. Mayo Clinic, one of the best clinics in the nation, maybe maybe in the world. Mayo Clinic did a a study on on people's internal how forgiveness affects people. They define forgiveness as a decision to let go of resentment or thoughts of revenge. It says, here's the the benefits of forgiving someone. Letting go of grudges and bitterness can make way for improved health and peace of mind. Forgiveness can lead to healthier relationships, improved mental health, less anxiety, stress, and hostility, lower blood pressure, fewer symptoms of depression, a stronger immune system, improved heart health, and improved self-esteem. This is just what the world say. Medically proven. This is folks who say, because it's good for you, forgive. But Jesus is saying, Because I have brought you in and made you my own and I have forgiven you, now I want you to forgive. Don't just do it because of all these benefits. Do it because I am your father and I love you and I want you to replicate my love out in this world. And when you do so, watch how it blesses you. Watch how it's going to touch your relationships. Watch how it frees you up. Watch how your stress start. I'm feeling better today. I'm a, I got to... Is that a smile I see today? Because I done messed around and forgave somebody? Because I done messed around and, and forgot it and put it behind me? But then they say the opposite. Studies show. But that when you keep a grudge, when you hold on, when you're not willing to forget, it brings anger and bitterness into almost every relationship and every new experience. You become so wrapped up in the wrong that you can't enjoy the present. You become depressed or anxious. You feel like your life lacks meaning or purpose or that you're at odds with your own spiritual beliefs. You lose valuable and enriching connectedness with others. When we keep, keep it right here before us, when God's trying to say, forgive and let it go. It's an opportunity. Pastor, you saying I just got to be a doormat for people? No. No. They stole your wallet, your Bootsy coming over, put this wallet right here in my pocket. Okay, let's, let, 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 let's be wise. But what does the grudge get you? How much sleep are they losing at night because of the grudge? How much joy is taking place in that relationship? How much love is being experienced in that home when the grudge remains? The great Andre 3000 
said, uh, spaceships don't come equipped with rear view mirrors. Boy, be dropping it. Even the world gets it, y'all. But we have Christ. Our root is that he grabbed us. And so we press on. And he says, you want to know how you press? Start pressing on by letting go of some stuff. By forgetting some stuff that really ain't all that deep. How many years has it been since you talked to your sibling? How many years has it been since? Come on, y'all. We cannot let stuff stop us from experiencing the joy God has. And so we forget. But notice. This is not simply an external thing because some people struggle with the relationships with others, forgetting and allowing themselves to be forgiven by God. Some some people struggle with with it and how they relate to others. But some people listen here. You forgive everybody else. Everybody else can walk over you, do whatever, but you won't forgive yourself. You won't allow yourself to experience the same grace, the same care, the same measure of mercy that everyone else gets. And God is saying, forget that. You made a mistake. Learn from it and move on. Forget that. Don't hold on to it. Don't let it shackle you. Let it go. Press. Press. How do you press on? Press on because we know that he's the one that has grabbed us. You, you press on by, by forgetting what is behind and focusing on the new opportunity God's going to give you in the future. Press on. We get this concept of press on because we love it as people. We love when other people press on for our sake. When a person starts studying culinary And they spend all of their time focused on understanding ingredients. And they're out at the farm smelling these herbs. And then they're going to this butcher shop to look at the cuts of meat. And now they're messing around with all these recipes. And when they mess around and give almost their whole life to the restaurant industry or to making your plate, when you come to that restaurant and that steak melt in your mouth, You're thankful for their willingness as a as a fleshly person to press, to be intentional, to put focus on something and saying, I'm not going to do other stuff because this matters to me. We just saw it the other night. One of the greatest basketball players that ever played a game of basketball was inducted into the to the Hall of Fame, Kobe Bryant. And Kobe had a couple of sayings that were dope, but one of them was Mamba mentality. It meant dial in. If it takes 300 shots to perfect the shot, then he's putting up 250 plus the 300. 
if, if somebody else is the best person on that team and they seem like they're going to be a threat, an offensive threat, then guess what Kobe's doing that night? Locking them up on defense. If the rest of the morale of the team seems like it's going down, then guess what Kobe's doing that night? Giving assists. What, what is Mamba mentality? Mamba mentality is to tune out everything else to press on for the sake of winning. See, we understand it when there's two seconds left. Who's the ball going to? It's going to Kobe, and he hits the shot, and we're like, yes! All of that pressing on was worth it because look at what he's able to achieve. We get it when the world does it. But when you get a friend that's like, hey, you know, I'm actually going to leave a little bit earlier tonight because I, I, I feel like I need to go pray. You're like, huh? When, when, when the friend, only music that they're willing to play is gospel music, we're like, goodness, you got, that's all you want to play? When, 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 when the person is, is, is saying, nah, you know what, like, I, I'm, I'm thankful you all invited me, but I'm actually been fasting the past couple of days. I'm just trying to, trying to seek the Lord and get closer. You ain't got to do all that. Now, for some reason, when it comes to spiritual things of us pressing in and dialing in, we're, we're, we're thankful for the, the pianist and the celloist when we go to the orchestra and they give their whole life to something. But when it's spiritual, sometimes we can look and be like, let's bring, let's, you bring that bar a little lower. You, you're going to be one of those radical Christians. You're going to be one of those, and I, 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 I've had to wrestle with this a little bit the last couple of days because uh, cause my, my doctor told me, shout out to my doctor, what up, OG? Um, my doctor said, hey, pastor, you, uh, your cholesterol is high. Your cholesterol is, is, is pretty high, and you, you're going to need to do something. And, and when he told me that, I already knew what the deal was. I already knew my cholesterol was high. He didn't even have to say it. I knew before he took the test because I know what cheeseburgers do to cholesterol. You know what I'm saying? I know what supersized fries do to cholesterol. I know where it takes me. And, and I, I, so I already knew when they took the blood, the onion ring came out. I already knew what was up, you know? So, so I was ready. But, but, but every time I'm in the presence of someone else that is dieting, that is truly dieting, two things happen. When someone else is t- on a diet and, you're like, and they're like serious about it, you recognize it, you see it, you see the fruit of the diet. And the other thing it does for me, Mr. McDonald's, it convicts me. It convicts me. Because you're showing discipline in an area that I long to have discipline in. And so now what, what, what your diet does is it makes me analyze myself. And we do the same thing with spiritual stuff. We'll see you fasting and be like, well, um, I know I should be praying. but uh, and, and what we want to do instead of saying maybe we all should fast is we want to bring the bar down. How much can we get by with in order to still be a good Christian? No. He's calling us to press on. So what? You had a cheeseburger yesterday. Forget it. And today have a salad. Forgive yourself. 
Yes, you messed up, but now it's time to move on. It's time to take a step and know that this God has you. Why? Because pressing on, clinging to Christ is at the heart of everything. It's at the heart of everything. It is why Jesus has died so that we might live. Live to what? Live to just be saved and be done? No, live knowing that we get a chance to experience this heavenly reward that we're going to experience. But until then, our imperfect self is being made to look like Jesus more and more every day. And I'm going to press on, press on, press on. And so I'm not trying to make you be super spiritual. But ask yourself, which of the three are you in life? Are you the person that's trying to press on and making some steps along the way that's messing up? Maybe you're being really successful at it. Praise the Lord. Maybe you're flowing, but you're trying and you're pressing on. Or are you a person that is just kind of in the game? game of life just wading through or are you in active rebellion don't be one of those two press on press continue with me verse 15 let those of us who are mature think this way and if in anything you think otherwise God will reveal that also to you only let us hold true to what we have attained there's a great maturity in your thinking as you realize the importance of letting forgetting as you realize the importance of God grabbing you and holding you that's got to affect the way you think that's got to affect the way we live and what it does also rec- help us see that we are imperfect people so lord what area of my life do you want to grow me in Mature me in. What area do I need to do I do I need to 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 actually grow in? And God blesses us, and I say this probably every two weeks. He gives us community. We got fray coming up where we're gonna be taking a break from some of our normal small group rhythms and some of the other expressions in the church to be able to focus on fellowship, rest, as my sister prayed and evangelism. I'd encourage you. Ask someone else, friend, fellowship group member, hey, can you share with me something that that is a strength of mine and an area that I could grow in? Because I want to be mature in Christ. And and, and maybe he's already given you the three things you need to grow and you don't need to ask nobody. But just in case you, you don't know and you've been praying and God's not revealing to you, ask someone in the community. I, I, my, my son said to me the other night something. He said, Dad, you're a hypocrite. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> uh, I, I went, uh, my mama probably on the call, uh, on, on Zooming from home. I couldn't say that to my mama like that. You know, you just couldn't, you what? So, so I'm, yeah, I know, times are different. You ain't lying, Pastor Chris. So, so, so I'm trying to see what he's thinking. So I said, what do you mean by that, son? He said, well, his, his drawer for his clothes 
pulls out under his bed. So I was sitting on the bed changing his sister, and he said, uh, well, you hypocrite means you say something but do something different. And you tell me not to put my feet on my drawer, but your feet are on my drawer. That's what a hypocrite is. And I was like, okay, you're right, but you can't say that to daddy no more. <laughs> but even as I'm, as I'm sharing this with you all, I'm like, man, I, can, I feel a hypocritical side of myself. Because honestly, I don't want to ask my wife, can you tell me one of the areas in my life that's a strength? But also tell me an area that I need to grow in. But see that, but, but if we can be honest, that's a sign of my immaturity. It's not a sign that, that I've arrived and I no longer need to ask anyone or that I'm perfect enough that I don't need to see. No, we need to continually be growing. And if we're not willing to go there with people that we love, it's a sign of our immaturity. So let us be people that are of integrity and people that are willing to be opened up. And you might not, what, wouldn't it bless you if somebody surprised you? Like, you know what? Can I just give you two strengths this time? Because last time I gave you a couple weaknesses and you've been growing. So I'm just going to celebrate this time. Let's be a blessing. Verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now will tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their, de their destruction, their end is their is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Do's and don'ts. Do imitate me. Paul isn't saying, hey, as Paul, I'm perfect, so ball like me. I need you to just make me the new standard. No, because Paul constantly says, I am not perfect. He's said in these verses that he's yet to attain it, okay? He's yet to attain the full glory that God's going to give, the beautiful power of the resurrection. He's not obtained that yet. But what he is saying is I'm going that he's going to imitate Christ. And as he imitates Christ, y'all can imitate him that we can model our lives after another human being that looks godly. Remember, Paul is an apostle. Apostle, that means he, he's been called to be a messenger of God. He's had an amazing experience with Jesus where he realized the Jesus that he was punishing or trying to persecute uh, the Christians who loved him, actually, whoa, he had a miraculous change where he realized, no, I'm, I'm, I need to be worshiping you instead of punishing. And so what happens is there's a standard or an expectation you have for an apostle. Where you are expecting a certain lifestyle. There's the same thing you have for your pastor. You're expecting a certain lifestyle, a certain character that flows from me. But the world has an expectation of a Christian. 
There's a certain lifestyle that you're supposed to be living that we are supposed to be living. And I'm, I'm not even trying. I hope you don't hear like, well, like apostles super holy, Pastor Leon's kind of holy. Y'all get to be a little holy. No, we all are called to be holy. It's, 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 it's one character. It's Christ's character that we're all imitating. But the question is, if the world were to look at our lives today, are we pressing where they're like, okay, there's some imitation that I should be trying to do of them. Or are they like, <laughs> they need to be imitating us. Church. <laughs> Family. You see how, but, but, but there's, an, there's another option, right? So he gives you the option to imitate him or the option to, to operate in your flesh. And that's what rebelling against God or even just sitting still and doing nothing, it, they both are acting on the flesh because God has created you for a purpose to walk in godliness. He's created you to be able to do that. That is what we are made to do, to walk in godliness. So anything, you, you can stumble along the way, you can trip. Maybe your walk isn't as fast as somebody else, but you got to be walking. To stay still or to reject him, it's not an option. And when you do that, Paul says it's clearly walking as enemies of the cross of Christ. So what will you imitate? Who will you imitate? I don't, I don't, I don't really know Kobe all like that. Y'all might have guessed that we wasn't that tight, you know what I'm saying? He used to call me, but I ain't really calling him back in the early days. No, you can't lie in the pulpit. I don't know Kobe. But, but when I look at platforms and, and I, I hear Kobe talk, I, I, I liked him as a player, you know? Uh, I liked some of the ways in which he went about life. But when I think about players that I would like to imitate. I would like to imitate an, an A.C. Green. I'd like to imitate a Hakeem Olajuwon, uh, excuse me, a, De, a Dikembe Mutombo. I'd like to imitate a Steph Curry because these people are players, but they tell you that their basketball opportunity all is submitted under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So that, so that even in my pressing in and my dialing in and me giving thousands of hours to something, it still falls up under the lordship of Christ. And so the question is, are you imitating people like that? When you think of who you want to be, when, when you look at the blogs that you read and the podcasts that we listen to and the number of likes that certain tweets have and people have, are these people people who are imitating Christ? I'm not saying everybody you choose need to be a Christian. What I am saying is watch who you allow to influence you. Be careful of those that you wish you could be like. I pray that there would be people that you would say, love Christ. The last verses, verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven 
and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Citizenship. Trying to tell you and I that, that we've been stamped. You know, you, 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 you travel overseas, you get a chance to get out, out of America, and they give you this little book. This little book is called your passport, and whenever you leave and go in another place, they give you a stamp. Now, you think you look like everybody else, but trust me, even if you go to a place that, where everybody has the same skin tone, just the way you walk, they know you're American. They, they, they already know. And y'all come, we come in asking for stuff. Hey, where's the bathroom? You don't be just asking where the bathroom. You're supposed to greet us first. Hello, how are you today? See, Americans, we a little bit, we, we, we think we think we running stuff sometimes. But one thing is true. That because of that passport is a symbol of your citizenship, no matter where you go in the world, there are certain benefits that are extended to you. There are certain protections that come with being an American citizen. Certain privileges that many other places do not have. If one, two, one, two. I'll go to go to the handheld. Go to the handheld. There we go. Amen. Sorry, y'all. Certain privileges that you have as an American. You see, just because you travel other places doesn't mean your citizenship changes. You see, we are citizens of the Most High. You are a godly person. Why? Because God grabbed you and made you his own and said, I love you. And that love's not going to change just because you make some mistakes. Repent. Come to me. I'm quick to forgive. And in that forgiveness, you can press on, press forward, press towards the high call of walking in this godliness that God has. There's a heavenly reward that is at stake. Imitate Christ-like character. Imitate Pauline-like character. Imitate Jesus' character. But remember whose you are. You're a citizen. We are citizens of the most high. I, I, I pray that you would not feel burdened by this. No, no, no. Try in your own rhythm. Try in your, what does it look like, pastor, for me to press towards Jesus? I'm not exactly sure for you. Some people is, I'm not going to answer the phone for the next hour. I'm listening to worship music. God, I need to connect with you. For some people, it's taking a walk through the community and praying. For some people, it is tithing because you're so tight to your money that you're not willing to trust God with it. For some people, I, I can start, I can write a long list. I don't know what it is for you. But what I know is that staying stagnant is not an option. What I know is that when we do not press on, resentment, anger, bitterness festers, and it has its way in us. 
there's a, a story from Crossroads magazine that says, when she was young, Florence Chadwick wanted desperately to be a great speed swimmer. At the age of six, she persuaded her parents to enter her in the 50-yard race. She came in last. So she practiced every day for the new year. Again, she entered and lost. When she was an 11-year-old, Florence won attention and praise for completing the San Diego Bay Endurance Swim. That was six miles in all. But she still wanted to be a speed swimmer. At 14, she tried for the National Breaststroke Championship, but came in second to the great Eleanor home. At 18, she tried out for Olympic speed swimming and came in fourth. Only three made the team. Frustrated, she gave it up, married, and moved on to other interests. As she matured, however, Florence began to wonder if she might not have done better if she had specialized in endurance swimming, something that just came more naturally to her. So, with the help of her father, she began swimming distances again. Twelve years after she had failed to make the Olympic team, Florence Chadwick swam the English Channel, breaking Gertrude Erdely's 24-year-old record. It took a little time, but eventually she found out what she could do and the best fit for her. Family. I don't know what pressing on looks like for you. What I know is God calls you to it, to keep persevering, to switch up, to bump your head along the way. But choose Christ. Say, I'm going to come after you. Come no matter what comes. I am going to pursue you. I'm going to press on. And even when I make mistakes, I'm going to forget those things. I'm not going to let them to affect my new day, the new mercy that you have given me, God. I'm going to press on. I'm going to press on. I'm going to press on. It's not only what he's called us to do. It's what he's equipped us to do. He's given us his spirit so that when we get at our lowest point, somehow he gives us a strength to get back up, to keep going. In the face of adversity, we keep pressing on. Church family, I, I don't know if you're going to be a swimmer. I don't know if you're going to diet. I don't know what you're going to do. What I know is Christ wants you. And he wants you to pursue him continually. Find joy in the God that's created all things saying, I want time with you. I could do all things in the blink of an eye, but I want time with you. Will you press on to give him the time he deserves? If you're a person that's saying, Pastor, what does that look like? Step one is kind of like uh, my, my soccer time. My whole goal with my, my soccer kids is to get them to trust me, to trust that when I say stop, they freeze. When I say go, they go. To, when I say move, they move, just to get them to trust me. And that's step one of the gospel, to trust that what God says in his word is true, that he loves you so much, 
that in the midst of sin, being a frozen person, dead in sin, that Jesus came to set you free. That Jesus came to provide love, to provide an opportunity, to provide freedom from pain and sin that had you in a vicious cycle. And so through his death, the cycle is broken, but there's also a new opportunity. Not only can we turn away from the sin, we get to choose righteousness and life and live in it. And so the spirit now begins to dwell in us and live in us and reside in us and empower us once we say no to sin, yes to Jesus. And so the question today is, will you trust him? Will you trust him with your life? Will you imitate Jesus? Or will you allow your flesh to keep you in a place of just kind of coasting through life or doing life your own way? If you want to accept Jesus into your heart today, simply pray this prayer with me. Lord, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross. You took the place of you took my place so that I could live. Your death allowed me to have life. Now allow me to walk with you. Allow me to live it out. And I know you'll be with me as I do it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.